0: I had planned to have a big easel up here this morning and do some drawing in front of you, but I'm going to have to ask you to use your imaginations instead because I didn't get it set up. We have this picture of our congregation as a boat. And if you look up at the ceiling of the sanctuary, Lutheran churches were built to look like boats. It's like the keel of the boat upside down. You have the keel and you have the ribs and you have the beams of the hull. It's like we're flipped upside down. And in the boat are people. And we are the people and Jesus is inside the boat with us. And our little boat is a sailboat. The mast and the crossbar form the cross which is always before us. We stand always at the foot of the cross. And our journey begins at the foot of the cross. And it's only through the cross and through giving ourselves up for the sake of the world again and again, that we move forward into God's promised and preferred future that God has in store for us. Without the cross, without relinquishing our own will to the will of God, we can do nothing We could trade our vision of what the church should be for God's vision of what the church is. Without the cross, we become a bunch of people in a boat, all pointing to different destinations, all saying, let's go over here and let's go over there, and I want to go that way. And so we make no headway and we get nowhere. But when we are powered by the wind of the Spirit, The Spirit blows where it will, and we do not control it. It takes us into that future that God has for us. We raise our sail on that cross and set the sail so that the Spirit catches us. Without it, we could all sit here and hyperventilate and huff and puff, and we would accomplish little. But the Spirit wants to catch us, it wants to guide us along, it wants us uh, to set that sail. And we do that by listening to scripture, to listening to the Spirit's voice within us, by listening to one another and dwelling in that word deeply and openly and asking ourselves again and again and again, what is God up to here? What is God doing out there and around us? This is the church. People journeying with Jesus by the power of the Spirit through the cross of Christ for the sake of the world. We're on a journey. It's an adventure. There are going to be surprises. There are going to be some amazing treasures to be found along the way. And yet we are in bondage to sin at the same time, not in control, not able to succeed on our own power alone. So Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, and he said, I want you to go out there and try your wings. I'm going to be giving you my ministry. You know, I'm going to be leaving you. But first, you have to have a trial run. So get out there and heal the sick and preach good news to the poor and free the captives and cast out the demons that are before you and proclaim repentance wherever you go. And so they went out to all the little towns and villages and the areas around them in pairs, and they did all these things that Jesus had told them to do. And sometimes they met with great success and surprised themselves, and other times there was defeat. And then they returned. That's worship. They came back, and they sat at Jesus' feet, and they told him all that they had seen and done. That's the rhythm of life with Christ. It's going out into the world to continue Jesus' mission of compassionate love. And then it's coming together here again in worship, to gather around Jesus to reflect, to celebrate, to learn, to receive, to rest for just a little while before we get back into the boat and move on. And after they've shared all the highs and lows of the week, Jesus invites them to get into that boat and go out with him a little ways to rest for a while before they have to go back and face the crowds and all the needs and tumults of the world. And they get in the boat with Jesus, like us, and they discover, like we have, that with God's help, they can do amazing things, miraculous things. The hungry will be filled, and the lame will walk, and the blind will see, and the outcast will be reconciled, and the comfortable will be challenged, and the guilty will be forgiven. And we find out sometimes we can even walk on water if it's only for maybe a minute or a second or two when we are trusting in the presence and the power of God. But we don't get to stay here resting forever. It's time to return to the shore and to the world with all of its hurts. When they get out of the boat, the people on the shore immediately recognize Jesus and they come swarming to him. People who have never seen Jesus before somehow recognize that he is the one. Then in him, God is to be found. And so wherever he goes, in the villages and the cities and the farms, they bring all the sick and all the suffering and all their hurts and all their wants to him. Throw themselves at his feet reaching out just to even tickle the fringe of his cloak. Where do we need to be? Where do we need to be for the world to see Christ in us, in our ministry and mission? Where do we need to position ourselves so that the world can find us and see Jesus and recognize him for the healer he is. Maybe we need to get out of the boat more often, walk on the water, step out into some unfamiliar shores, proclaim in life and action that God's love is turning the world around. You know, God cares about us. We matter. We have this unique role to play in God's vision for this world. God needs us. Our purpose is to carry on Jesus' mission of compassion and reconciliation in a world that is infatuated with labels and differences and resentments and bitterness and power struggles. I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like instead of getting rid of the labels that used to bind us and hurt us and tie us down, we just keep inventing more and more and more labels it seems like the world is addicted to labels. We want to label everyone and everything and then play blame and shame and seek revenge for the hurts of the past. You know, we wanted to get rid of those hurtful labels about gender or about uh, sexual orientation. Instead, I don't know, we have so many more labels, even labels now for things that just seem to be run-of-the-mill and kind of normal. And then we have labels for race and for gender identity and political ideals and economic status and cultural and linguistic and religious groups. We just label and label and divide and subdivide. And this is not God's way. And it cannot be our way if we're gonna follow Jesus. The way of Jesus is the way of reconciliation, of unity, of forgiveness of coming together in peace, of building one another up. Just be who God created you to be in all your unique fabulousness and quit worrying about labels. Be who you are in all your complexity and then be with us, united in purpose, I'm not suggesting, the world seems to be really focused on the past again, and I'm not suggesting that we should bury the past. We can't bury the past. We need to learn from it and own it and claim it. But I also don't think that we should wallow in it because we can't change it. We should learn from it and move on. There are a lot of emphasis this day and age in the, in the public conversation about past wrongs, and demands for retribution for the past, and everybody wants a payoff. But there is not enough money in the world to pay for all the sins of the past. And there's only one path to atonement. And atonement's a fancy word, but if you break it out, atonement spells at one and that's what atonement does. It makes us one. It reconciles all those divisions. It takes all the differences and the separations and brings us together and makes us the one body of Christ. There is only one path to atonement, and it is the sacrificial life and love of Jesus Christ. Atonement at one minute has been made once for all time and for everyone, at the cross. We're not going to find unity and sensitivity training. We can try. I've been attending those things for the last 30 plus years and you know that by itself doesn't do it. And wokeness isn't the answer hate to tell you and the latest sociological theory or construct is not the answer either, although it will sell books. No, the cross is the answer. That is where we're going to find our unity and our reconciliation. It's at the foot of the cross where we are forgiven, and when we know we are forgiven, that is when we find the power and the will to forgive and to move on. As we read today in the letter to the Ephesians, remember, remember that you were at that time without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We're Gentiles. They're talking about us. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought nearby by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility that is between us. See, that was already done. It's a past tense accomplishment of God. We keep setting up these divisions, but the divisions were annihilated he has abolished the law with its commands and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in the place where there were once two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in the one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility through it. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. We're no longer strangers and aliens. We are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. And this new humanity reconciled in Christ is how God creates a new world of peace. We are the answer now, the people of the cross, in this boat with Jesus. As we live out our unity, in spite of our diversity, and believe me, we are a very diverse place, even in this little sanctuary. As we live out our unity in spite of our diversity, we become the embodiment of Christ's atoning love. I think it's time to leave the boat and enter the world and start a different conversation instead of joining the one that's already out there. A conversation about forgiveness, A conversation about the power of at-one-ment. For in the words of Paul in Galatians 3.28, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Yeah, all the labels are out. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is what it means to be the church. As we journey with Jesus into that preferred and promised future, forgiven and free, for the sake of the world. Amen.
1: We are one. hell no